This week on Over the Farm Gate, we ask how, as an industry, we can excite, engage and educate the next generation. I'm Hannah Park, Senior Livestock Reporter at the Farmer's Guardian, and I spoke to secondary school teacher Michaela Ryan recently, who teaches food science, but is also passionate about widening that conversation to cover where food comes from and how it is produced. I later speak to Jill Attenborough, Chief Executive at the Country Trust, an organisation that is committed to getting as many children as possible outside to enjoy the countryside, and especially those who might not usually get the opportunity to do so. Jill spoke to me about some of the questions children most wanted to ask while they were out on farm. Hello Michaela, thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate you giving up your school holiday to be with us. I'll let you introduce yourself, but today we're obviously just here to talk a little bit about food education, the importance of that in schools, and get a bit on your perspective as a teacher on what it is that that children particularly engage in or why it's so important to offer this sort of education in schools. So yeah, Michaela, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about your job um, and the ages of of kids that you're teaching. Yeah, thanks for inviting me along this morning. Um, It's a really good opportunity for me to explain what we do in schools at the moment. Um, I work in a secondary school, Wellington School, which is near to Manchester. Uh, I am a food preparation and nutrition teacher and I teach ages 11 to 16 but I also do some work with six formers um, looking at healthy lifestyles as part of a curriculum for life program that we do. Um, it's really really important that pupils are getting this education especially in the current climate with um, the food costs and being able to understand food, but also being able to understand where our food comes from, um, how it's grown, how it's prepared. Uh, there's such um, a wide range of issues that we have to teach through through the years. Um, we do teach on a carousel basis, whereas we only have 10 weeks with year seven, 10 weeks with year eight, 10 weeks with year nine. It's different in all schools, um, but it means that we have to be very selective in the material that we're delivering um, and, and decide what's the most important things to teach our pupils. And the area that you're in, would you say that that's quite urban? Are you are you bordering any any countryside? What sort of you know kind of backgrounds are uh, children coming in from? Yeah, we're fairly lucky actually. We are very urban. However, we do border some farming land. Um, there is a farm nearby um, that pupils are familiar with because they might have visited it. But to go strawberry picking in the summer or to go through a maize maze that's often offered there um, and for Halloween activities. So they don't necessarily see the day-to-day workings of the farms and, and the farming lifestyle. Um, we do try and teach in the subject. We look at things like crop rotation and organic farming. Uh, we look at ways that milk's produced. Um, so so we, we do get to see that but mainly from a powerpoint perspective rather than a hands-on perspective which is a a shame and i think it'd be a great opportunity for pupils if they could see um how a farm does work um and that lifestyle as well sounds like um it's tricky isn't it to sort of 
get get that, that those sort of numbers onto farms in a practical sense but i think even just trying to bring it alive in in the classrooms um really great to, great to hear and um kind of what responses do you get from from children have you had anything that's kind of really shocked you or um you know how how sort of much knowledge do they have and how do they take on board the information that you're giving them uh, luckily, it really ties in with geography as well, because I know that in other subject areas, they do touch on it a bit, especially in geography. Um, and and so it's quite good that we can tie in with other subject areas. Um, Reaction-wise, we do sometimes get pupils that are quite surprised at how food is produced and how... Um, how intensive it is and how knowledgeable you have to be to make sure that you're getting the best produce. And they're often surprised by what things are made from as well. So they're used to going into a supermarket, finding a ready meal on the shelf without actually thinking what's actually gone into it um, without checking ingredients. So it's important that we can look at those areas and link that in with um from farm to fork really as well and getting pupils to think about food miles how how far their food has traveled um the effect on the environment so there's a lot of wider issues there um that pupils often don't don't necessarily initially associate with a food lesson um and then they go away taking that wider picture on board yeah and what kind of resources are you using to kind of bring this alive? Are you, um, is there any particular platforms that you have access to? How, how are you kind of getting the messages across? Yeah, um, we work with, um, I use a lot of Food of Fact of Life, which has been organised by the British um, Nutrition Foundation and also the Agriculture and Agricultural and Horticultural Development Board, um, which I'm sure your farmers are um, familiar with. Um, so I, I tend to start there, really, because I know the resources are reliable. Obviously, everyone thinks it's so easy nowadays when we've got the internet at our fingertips and you can get any sort of research, but you're not always 100% that it is reliable and it is related to the UK. But with Food of Fact of Life, I know that it is. Um, so that's always my first port of call. I try to use videos as well. Obviously, there's a lot of television shows now that you can use. Um, and, and so I try and bring that into the classroom as well, rather than me talking solidly at the pupils for an hour, because they would find that very boring. Um, I do a lot of worksheets, actually. And I've used some um, to do case studies. So I've, I've taken some case studies. Um, one that I use is one from a farm called Polybell Farm. And it looks at um, food. I, I've tied in the activities with food miles and organic farming. Um, and, and it's an activity that I get the pupils to read that. And then they have to answer questions on it so that I can test their knowledge. Um, so it's really... I do use the internet a lot and I found some new great sites to look at over these holidays. Um, so it's quite exciting for that as well. And is this a standard topic in, in the curriculum or is this a particular area that your school or you yourself have chosen to focus on? It is actually part of the curriculum, um, which is quite good to see, um, especially at GCSE. So we have to look at 
farming methods and we also have to look at production methods um so we we tend to look mainly at milk um and how that's produced and and how it's treated to make people um make it okay for people to drink um we also look at flour and how that's mill uh, how the wheat's gathered and milled and um, those are the main areas and we also look at butchery there as well um so that all links in as well um and pupils are tested on all those areas at gcse um even in a practical sense as well it's now a requirement for pupils to be able to portion a chicken a whole chicken um so it, it's a very interesting varied curriculum really um at key stage three though i've chosen to include the bits about farming because I think it's really important that pupils do understand where their food comes from. No, that sounds fantastic. And yeah, I mean, just even just just getting that exposure to the to this kind of thing and that in the information just to get people thinking about just where their food comes from, like you say, in everyday life in terms of shopping and, and choosing what they want to eat and how they want to prepare food, which kind of leads into my next question of, of why do you think it's so important that that students are taught this in schools and and how do you think that impacts them in their life as they sort of grow up into adulthood yeah obviously it's a life skill um i was very fortunate that my mum was very hands-on all our meals were cooked from scratch um my grandparents were so i've grown up around cooking really as well um and something my dad once said to me when i was choosing my gcses was if you know about food you'll always have a job because everybody's got to eat um and it's a good point um in schools it sometimes surprises me um when pupils come in and they don't do anything at home. And it's something that I try to encourage as well. I set practical tasks for pupils to do at home. Um, and it's great to get feedback from parents then to say, oh, my child, they they made this dish again that you made in school and um, we love it and they make it themselves. Um, because it's not just about knowing how to provide for yourself, but it's gaining the other skills like time management, organizational skills, um, preparation skills that you have to have to be able to follow a recipe um and so from my perspective it's very important it's very important to know about nutrition obviously you can't open a newspaper these days without reading about an obesity crisis in the uk there's obviously the food cost crisis at the minute um and so if you can understand food if you can understand how ingredients work together um you can pretty much make up a meal really and look in your stock cupboard and that's what i want pupils to be able to go away being able to do and have the confidence to do that because some people are worried that it's going to go wrong and to be honest it doesn't matter if it does it's 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 trial and error um as with anything um and so it's really important that pupils can think about what's in the cupboard, think about, right, I could use this to make this. I'm not going to starve. Um, but you mentioned shopping before as well. Even that is a basic skill to um, know what to look for in the supermarket, to get the freshest ingredients, to check for quality. Um, so all of those aspects, um, I 
I personally believe that everybody should know them so that they can just look after themselves really at the end of the day yeah yeah and it's it's sort of those life skills that I guess like you've just said if you grow up with them you pay, you perhaps just take that for granted in terms of just being able to yeah walk around a supermarket and pick up ingredients to be able to to make some meals which yeah is is such a, a key skill in in life isn't it and just on that sort of topic of careers, have any of the students that you've taught or in the school kind of gone on and made a career out of food or nutrition or um, chefing at anything, any links to anything like that? Um, yeah, I know one of my former pupils um, has worked works now as a nutritionist in a hospital. Um, she did really well, actually. Um, she, she loved food. The, the whole subject area she worked really hard um went off to a hospital started getting um experience as a nutritionist obviously went to university um to get a degree in that area and from um speaking to colleagues I know who were still in touch with her family um she's doing really well working in the NHS um and and seems to be enjoying her job by all accounts um and recently I was also contacted by a another pupil's mom who told me that he'd gone off to do um a course at college and he's um chefing part-time at the Lowry in Manchester well Salford so um He's doing really well there, getting great experience. She said his college had entered him into a competition and he's reached the semi-final stages, which are going to be in Belfast in November. Um, she's going to keep me updated with that, but it's great to hear um, how well he's doing. And another former pupil actually um, won an apprenticeship award at her college um, and she's doing petition patisserie chefing um and I mean I remember her dishes I remember one year she brought in this gorgeous cake that she'd made at home and she went I've made this for you miss but it was made with chocolate and I'd given up chocolate for Lent (laughs) I was devastated because it looked amazing (laughs) <laughs> and um, and I've since seen pictures of things that she's made because um, her college, um, we do have close links with them. So they have kept us up to date. Um, but I also teach a younger brother. So my mum's given me updates as well. Um, so it's great to hear stories like this. And it's great to see how well our pupils are doing um, from, from the basics that we can teach them at GCSE. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic to hear. And and must be really encouraging for you as well to to hear those stories and to get those updates. So that's fantastic. Well, thank you. That's given that's given me a, a really good insight and really interesting to hear just a little bit about the resources that you use and kind of what's on offer at a GCSE level now and that it is incorporated into the curriculum. I think um, hopefully our audiences, if, if they didn't know that, will find that, um, you know, find that of, of interest and, and it's good, good to know. Um, so thank you. Okay, no worries. And if there's any farmers that would like to come into my school, um, <laughs> I'm more than happy for anyone to come in um, and, and give a better insight than I ever could. <laughs> no, fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm sure um, with the with the others that I'm, I'm speaking to, we can, you know, point them in the right direction if, if that's something that they're interested in. And I know that NFU and a few other bodies um, 
do offer training in that field so we can we can certainly signpost that if if that's something that farmers are interested in brilliant (laughs) thank you great to hear from Michaela there coming up next is Jill Attenborough who I spoke to about some of the most asked questions from children on farms hi Hannah thanks for asking me on Jill, just be good, um, I think, to start with a bit of um, background, if you wouldn't mind, just to the Country Trust and the kind of organisation's ambition and uh, goals. Absolutely. So the Country Trust is a national education charity and our mission is to connect disadvantaged children with the land that sustains us all. And we do that through food, farming and countryside experiences. Uh, We've been around for 44 years now, I think. Um, We were started by a businessman who became a dairy farmer and his passion was sustainable farming and getting everybody to understand uh, the importance of farming to all our lives. Uh, And so we've always been uh, an organisation that had visits to real working farms uh, at the heart of everything that we do. Um, We currently take about 21,000 children um, a year to working farms. Um, Those children are from uh, disadvantaged communities. So we work with primary schools who have a high percentage of children eligible for free school meals. Um, So that's at the heart of our work. We also uh, run food discovery programs, year-long programs in school, teaching children to grow their own food and cook, uh, visit farms, run their own playground market, all sorts of things. Um, And we have a residential program too. So between seven and 900 children a year um, are immersed in the countryside in Norfolk, Suffolk and the Yorkshire Dales for between three and five days. Um, During that time, they visit a farm as well. What a fantastic initiative and what an amazing amount of children to be able to help to get on farm. So real credit to you. So the work that the Country Trust is done to connect kind of schools with farms and, and to get children on farm, um, I think I'm right in thinking that you collated some of the top questions asked by children on farm, which I think is really interesting. And just wondering really what kind of questions they were. Was there a particular topic that was really popularly asked about? Or I imagine there was some quite funny questions as well that came to came to light. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it starts with the fact that... Um, We all know farmers are sort of rare and special beings, don't we? And to children, they are VIPs. So a lot of the questions children want to know are to sort of get to know the farmer as a a real person. So they will ask questions like, what did you have for breakfast? That's a really popular question. Um, And sometimes that's that's coupled with, and was it things that came from your farm? Which I think is a really, uh, it it makes farmers think actually, you know, am am I eating my own produce or not? Um, they often want to know what time the farmer gets up. They want to get in, inside their lives. We had um, uh, we had a big uh, live session. Um, one of the programmes I didn't mention was Farm in a Box, which is where we send farm-centred educational resources into schools uh, and children have a day or more of, of farm-centred activity. Uh, and we had a live session with thousands of children tuning in to talk to a farmer. Um, and one of the questions that came through there, which I thought was a really sensible one, is why do farmers wear boots? Uh, because a lot of children are in urban areas, uh, so the countryside is totally new to them. So to find out what life is like there and uh, how you have to be. They want to know what time farmers get up. Um, they're really interested to know how do you get to be a farmer and have you always been one? 
um, a lot of children interested in farming and wanting to know, you know, how, how could how could that how could I do that? They want to know if farmers like their job and they want to know what's the best bit of their job. Uh, and I think it's it's really unusual. The reply the farmer farmers give is often related to the seasons and being outside, and there just aren't many jobs like that. So I think that's a real revelation for children. Um, and then some of their, their questions are related to scale. So uh, they may be learning about the story of um, wheat and bread making. And they want to know how many loaves of bread come from your farm. Uh, so there's a lot of mental math that goes on with farmers having to quickly, quickly try and calculate. And one farmer said to me that farming is all about multiplication. Um, and that's fantastic for children who are who are learning learning maths. And they want to know how many animals the farmer has. Um, how much did your combine harvester cost? That's another one. Um, how how big is your biggest tractor? Um, and again, children are very direct. So they're talking to someone who has a lot of land um, and has big expensive machinery, and they ask questions like, "Are you really rich?" So really thought-provoking for farmers to, to respond to these questions. Um, there are sensory questions. What's that smell is a, is a really popular question. Um, and then a lot that uh, show that children's curiosity has really been sparked by their contact with the farm, which is, for us, we're all about curiosity, confidence, and connection. So curiosity, they will often ask, how do you tell the difference between a, a, a girl sheep and a, a boy sheep or a girl cow and a boy cow? Uh, and uh, we've usually briefed our farmers beforehand to give an age-appropriate answer. We want them to be, you know, to use proper language, but just be aware of the age group they're talking to. Um, what's that animal doing? Uh, often when a farmer's talking behind them, uh, there'll be a cow having a wee or a sheep having a wee, and the, the, the children want to know what's going on. Um, yeah, thought-provoking questions like, how do you know if cows are happy? Um, how do chickens make eggs? And then... Uh, a question which, again, I think is uh, really gets to the kind of heart of, of, of farming and the relationship that farms have with the natural world and how much isn't in the control of a farmer. What happens if your crops don't grow? Um, and then a, a sort of philosophical question, where do you get your first wheat seeds from? It's a bit like the chicken and egg question, isn't it? Yeah, I just think it's great how, how children just have like no filter. They'll just say exactly what's on their mind. Um, and I think that's that's just great, isn't it? I mean, not many people can, could get away with that, but you can as a child. And that's a really varied list of things and different areas that you've just listed off, which is which is great and kind of shows that they're taking that interest, which is really great to hear. Mm. Um, and I, th I think farmers are generally they are absolutely brilliant at taking children seriously and answering answering children's questions directly and I, children feel really valued by the fact that a farmer has welcomed them onto their farm and then the fact that the farmer's spending time with them and seriously considering their questions uh, really really helps to boost self-esteem and children come away just riding high after a farm visit I think yeah that's great. And just with, with all of those kind of questions in mind and things that they've asked, are there any occasions or stories that you know of where farm visits or that's kind of inspired a journey towards a career in farming? Do you think that these sorts of visits and trips would inspire a handful of children to take up a career in the rural sector that might not otherwise have thought of it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I think for many children, even if they live quite close to the countryside, particularly children from disadvantaged backgrounds who may not have uh, a car at home or, or, the, or the finance or the opportunity to, to have day trips or holidays, the countryside and the whole food production business is totally invisible to them. So it's going to a new world of possibilities when you, when you go and visit a farm. And there's so much going on in a farm that uh, there's so many possibilities for a, for a spark of inspiration to be lit in a child. And we've, um, we've got a, a lovely little video actually of, of a boy called Tommy who was struggling at school and he just found himself on the farm. It, you know, he, he, he loved how it felt to be outside and to discover that there were jobs outside with growing things and in touch with the natural world. And um, it was, yeah, you could just see him thinking, this is, this is where I belong, you know, age eight, nine or something, finding himself. Um, and then there'll be other children who are just fascinated to discover that there's life in the soil. Uh, and, you know, they may be our future soil scientists um, or, or children who have an incredible technical ability uh, and discovering the world of farm machinery. And I know there are a lot of um, farm machinery companies who do apprenticeships and things like that, you know, and for children to discover that there's a route for them there. Um, so whether it's whether it's science, whether it's tackling climate change, whether it's technology, whether it's uh, just you know a, a kind of practical physical job outside, farming offers so many possibilities, um, and children will never know about them uh, unless we unless we allow them to discover them. Um, we were talking to an organisation called Inter University who support children um, who may be the first in their uh, family to even consider university uh, and we were talking to them about the career options that they they show children and they show them law and accountancy and possibly engineering um, but absolutely would never consider that whole world of, of agri-food um, which is out there you know and and so needs all the you know the rich minds of the future so I think there's a lot of work to be done, but ju but just exposing children to the possibilities through a farm visit is the is definitely the start. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's key, isn't it? That there's just so many varied opportunities out there in the rural sector, other than just farming, a day to day farming, be that with livestock or arable crops. But yeah, all of the other sectors that feed into that, like machinery, like soil scientists, that perhaps. A, a child might have an interest in and not have ever thought that they could apply that interest to the rural sector. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really great work that, that, that you're doing. And then just, I just thought it would be good to kind of finish on why you think it's so important that this kind of work can continue and kind of how, how are you supported as an organization funding wise and things like that? Yeah. So there's a there's a, an American poet and philosopher and farmer called Wendell Berry, um, and I really love some of the the lines he's he's written. Um, and one of them is that we all eat, so we're all participants in agriculture. Um, but most of us don't know that. Most of us haven't haven't made that connection. And I think our role is to help children to discover that 
you know, they, it, what they do, the choices they make really matter in the world. Um, and Wendell Berry also said, um, we all eat, therefore we all determine to a significant extent how the, how the world is used. Um, and as we face things like climate change and loss of biodiversity, we can't just look over there and say, oh, well, farmers, you're doing something, you know, it's all about you. You need to sort it out. We're all part of this because we all eat. So we've, it's so important to us as a charity to make those connections when children are young um, and they begin to see that they have agency, they, make a dif- they can make a difference. Um, so yeah, that, that's, I think, fundamental to our work. And um, we talk about the land that sustains us all and it sustains us all through what we eat, but it's also the air we breathe, it's the, uh, the water we drink, it's the biodiversity that we're part of and that we rely on, um, but it's also our well-being too. So enabling children to discover that how it feels to be in green space, how it feels to be in the countryside, um, I think is really, really important part of our work. Um, as a charity, we have to raise uh, every penny that we spend on our, on our work. Uh, we don't have any government grants. Um, so most of our, uh, the majority of our funding comes from charitable trusts and foundations, but also increasingly from partnerships with companies uh, and also individuals who may give a little bit regularly or may be in a position to give a, a bigger gift um, as well. So uh, we're at the start of a five-year plan um, in response to COVID, really, we realised that it was fabulous that we were working with about 20,000 children a year, but so many more children were living in poverty as a result of, of, of COVID. Um, and the need for our work was just growing and growing. So we set ourselves an ambition of by the end of year five, which is 2027 for us, that we'd be bringing meaningful food, farming and countryside experiences to 120,000 children a year. So we're, we're on quite a steep traje- trajectory, but we're ambitious because we think we must be, because every child who doesn't discover that connection, who, who doesn't feel confident or curious about um, farming in the countryside, you know, we're failing them. We're failing them. So, yeah, we, we really feel very serious about um, our ambition and, and getting these experiences to as many children as possible. And just in terms of thinking of our, um, our audience and farmer listeners, how can or do you actively look for farmers to get involved in the network in terms of um, farm visit, farm, farmers to go and visit? How do, you, how do you kind of link up with farmers in that first instance? We are absolutely reliant on farmers. We call them farmer hosts. So we're absolutely reliant on farmers coming forward to welcome children to their farms. We have a network of coordinators who are all um, experienced in primary education and outdoor learning, and they will make those connections with schools. They'll support a farmer to understand what story their farm could tell. They'll organise the visits. They'll be there to support the farmer on the day. So uh, we make it very easy, um, but we absolutely need farmers to come forward um, right across the country. Um, the only place we're not active at the moment is in the southwest. Um, but yeah, the more farmers the better, particularly if they're within an hour of some of the big urban areas. We desperately need more farmers around London, uh, more farmers within reach of Manchester, Liverpool, Newcastle, Birmingham, um, all the coastal areas of deprivation as well, East Anglia and up the east, east coast. So yes, if, if, if you think education 
educational visits might be for you, then please do come forward and we'll we'll talk to you more about it and, and uh, how we can support you to be to be part of this wonderful network. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Jill. That's been a great insight and um, some really valuable work that uh, the charity is doing, which is really great to hear about. So thank you. Thank you to Michaela and to Jill for their time on this week's Over the Farmgate podcast. Don't forget to pick up a copy of this week's Farmer's Guardian magazine for all the latest headlines. And that's it for this week. Make sure you subscribe to Over the Farm Gate so you never miss an episode of this podcast. And we'll be back again next week.